Whoa, 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 how y'all doing today? Today, today is a beautiful one for sure. Today in the studio I have with me, Josh Camp. Round of applause for him, round of applause. Who are you, brother? Well, I'm still trying to figure that out, but I guess uh, since I have to say something, I'll start by um, what I do. I recently just graduated from Morehouse College with a degree in music composition and performance. I had a double emphasis, and I bring that up because what we decide to major in, what we decide to get our degree in, I believe, speaks a lot of who we are and what we like to do. And music has been something that I've been doing basically my entire life. It wasn't necessarily something that I actually wanted to major in, though. I started as a biology major and slowly made my way over to the music department. So, And I approached music more from a scientific point of view um, because I consider myself a scientist, if that you know answers your question. Definitely, definitely. Josh Camp, the scientist. <laughs> so today, everybody, we are here to take a look at some of the most profound moments that caught Josh's eye throughout the season of Uproar Radio and also to contemplate and discuss even further some topics and aspects that he finds interesting. And you know we're all about contemplation. So let's get it. I believe that you have a very nice collection of thoughts here with the podcast, my favorite being the identity crisis. However, I don't want to start there because I didn't start there personally. I actually found my way to the podcast through the microwave success, microwave success episode. And I believe that perfectly sets up what we have with identity crisis. Um, mm -hmm. I believe the, the consequences that the consequences of microwave of success and falling in love with such a thing, falling in love with instant gratification leads a person down the road of identity crisis. And it's going to be something that we see a lot more common, a lot more frequently throughout our generation. I definitely agree. I definitely agree. It's becoming even more common, as you said. And that makes me wonder, you know, is it, is it a, does it have to be a bad thing, I guess, is the question. I look at it as a rite of passage, something that everybody should kind of go through, question themselves, question how people feel about them, and if that aligns with who they really are. It's something that everybody has to experience, but to what degree? You know, to what degree? do you? Can you lose control of your identity crisis? Can you lose control of that tendency? Can it lead you down a path that is a little bit more destructive than helpful? At that point, I believe that that is when the thoughts should cease. Microwave success. You expect something to happen, and when it doesn't, what does that mean for your identity? You know, what's interesting is it's some book that I was reading. I think it's The Subtle Art. Um, Mark Manson was like, we don't want to be wrong because we associate being right so much with our identity and our ego that means that if we're wrong about something that means we literally have to change who we are you know it it brings into question your values and the actions built upon them and that's definitely a scary thing for a person man especially if you've never been disassociated with who you are in this world or who you believe yourself to be the idea of right and wrong can lead you down a scary path by itself I try not to concern myself with such things. 
However, I do ask a lot of people what is what they find is right and what they find is wrong, and I use it to inform my own decision. I'd like to ask a question of both of y'all, if that's okay, uh, both Brian and Josh. Um, kind of, we're talking about the cult of personality being a negative and how, for example, we were discussing earlier how what happens if what we try and do doesn't work out, we have this kind of identity crisis. What happens if you find success when you adopt a cult of personality? So let's say you aren't someone who does that. And then you decide to become this narcissistic person this to create this cult of personality. And then you do find success as a result. You would have an identity crisis in that moment as to who is who, who am I originally, right? I mean, how, how do you kind of come to terms with that? Well, I always recommend to Brian that you have to create a separation between the brand and the individual. The brand, which is the persona, the personality that you're basically selling to people. Mm and who you actually are behind closed doors because none of your fans will actually know the true you. Yeah, who that mm. person is. So you can't really expect them to. In the moment that you do expect them to, in the moment that you do try to align with the brand and what you put out, the ultra-filtered content that you put out, um, you're going to lead down that path of a really deep, dark identity crisis. Mm. So I believe my method that i go about is to try to create the separation from the from the jump from the beginning before i even put the content out is identify that this is you know this is josh camp and mm. this is joshua barnes and what i put out as josh camp doesn't necessarily align with who i really am it's really just a product mm -hmm. it's really just a product for people to for people to consume it's whatever they want it to be and of course this is this looks great on paper but in practice i don't I'm still figuring out how exactly that is, that works out. Um, yeah. Once I achieve massive success for the brand, I may run into some problems with wanting to be Josh Kent, wanting to be who people think I am. Mm. You know, I may just contradict myself at that point. Uh, what about you, Brian? I feel similar. It's very difficult for me, though, off the rip, to just disassociate myself from the from that which I create. I actually like fall in love with it for for a while, like a song. I'll listen to it like over and over again until I make another one, <laughs> you know, until I make another one. That's on. That's the only time I will take a step back and then something else, it will take a back seat to something else. Even just that at, at its foundation, you know, is it's just really difficult to disassociate and to create that distance between who I am and who others, who I want others to see me as. You know, I want it to be cohesive, but I understand the importance in creating that entity outside of myself in order to maintain, like, a sense of autonomy and possibly sanity, whatever that is. I mean, I think it really goes back, you know, you brought up the idea of microwave success and the idea of how identity can be challenged as a result of that. You know, you're saying eventually you're going to become an incredibly popular, rich cult of personality and maybe then you'll reassess that kind of stuff when we were talking about microwave success is about instantaneous y'all have obviously both taken a long view on how to like handle yourselves mm -hmm. so then what is the opposite of microwave success then kind of what does that look like mm -hmm. if, if we're going to talk about like how microwave success is bad what is the good then of microwave success yeah or like what is the what is the what is the success? What do we call the correct success? Is it oven success? Is it slow cooker success? Uh, it's interesting that you use the word correct because I, like I said before, I try to get out of the method of right and wrong, especially when you're in the jurisdiction of music. 
musicians all the time would like to look over at the next musician and say, oh, they're doing it wrong, especially in case of microwave success, because we have something like one hit wonders. Mm. And I believe that's one of that was one of Bryant's points on the episode microwave success is that you may achieve this success fast and quick, but it'll be gone tomorrow. Mm. And that's the thing with music. And if anybody who plays an instrument or practices an instrument, they know that this is something that happens over time. You have a lifetime of work. And I imagine that that is what oven success looks like when you're, when you actually achieve success off of something that you're really skilled at, because skill is something that takes a long time to build. And it's almost impossible to achieve microwave success or to associate microwave success with something that you have to be highly skilled for. Mm -hmm. I, I don't see that. I don't see those two paralleling almost anywhere in the in the industry. Definitely. Um, does that answer your question? I was going to, well, my follow-up then is, so then by using, by invoking the term microwave success, you're like automatically kind of saying that what you're putting out there is half-baked in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. Because, um, you know, the way that you're kind of describing is that the idea of people who are achieving microwave success may have some skill, but haven't quite developed the skill in the way that a true skill, as you said, needs needs the time to right. kind of be there. So um, I think that's very interesting. And I think that's really cool. I mean, what about you? We're back to you now, Ryan. Just to expound, to, to achieve the microwave success further, it just may further hinder you from improving and developing that skill simply because you're like, I got it this quick and just this fast oh, and like this once, like what's stopping me from doing this again? Yeah. You know, convenience, it's hard to escape convenience. It's hard to live in a society where everybody has a phone mm -hmm. and, and instantaneous access to information for you to say that you can't, you can live without it. That may be true, but will you really? That's the question. Can you? Can you? And still compete with everybody else who has instant information at their fingertips. Can That's you? the thing. I mean, we were talking about with Bruce Schneier, like, you know, the problem with social media, the problem with phones is that you can opt out, as Bryant said, but you will have effects. You'll have negative effects. And, you know, we all know what they'd be. You know, uh, in episode two with Dr. De Silva, um, we talked about FOMO, fear mm -hmm. of missing out. And how that's a direct result of everyone having a phone. And Absolutely. then by not even having access, you also suffer from FOMO. So it's like by creating our phones and having them, what is it? By the, by the providence of the fact that phones exist, FOMO exists. Whether you use the phone or not to check in on people, all of a sudden this new phenomenon exists as a result of the ubiquity of this kind of technology every single day. So I wanted to ask, I guess you as a musician and kind of the idea of strategically developing an identity as it goes along and you kind of embrace that and you kind of change your personality and all these kinds of things. In that scenario, do you find that, like, what are we, what are we, what are we changing our identity to? Is it to be uh, more for them, more for us? Like kind of what does it reflect and what does it become? Absolutely. It's entirely for Every day I realize how much more it is about the listener than it is about me. Right. Um, and this whole entire idea of why you practice the instrument, why you get better at communicating different musical ideas, why you go and discover musical ideas is just so you can show other people and just so you can show other people how it will make you feel. Um, an identity crisis is something that musicians struggle with a lot because we have to perform. You understand? Yeah. And... We all, at the same time, we have to consume other performances and we 
confuse ourselves and we get ourselves to believing that there's an objective way that music is supposed to sound. Mm. And these people are good and I'm not like these people, so I must not be good. But everybody else around you thinks that you are. So it's a constant identity crisis, a constant identity struggle with what you hear and what you believe to be good and what you're trying to create and what other people hear around you that actually consume your music, your consumers, your fans, but you're a fan of somebody else. And it becomes hard becoming a fan of yourself. Yeah, you know? imposter syndrome is what it sounds like and what it has felt like to me in the past. Now I just see it as me striving against myself in order to continue to improve and become that which I can be okay with. But even then, because you, even then it's still about the consumer. And you know, if you wish to make money, you know, if then you, that's wish, the mm. thing, you can that's do the music thing. for a hobby. You can do music for a hobby and do it for free and you'll still, you'll still have that enjoyment. But right. if you wish to make a living, then it's you about have to the change. consumer. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. You know, it's interesting you say that. I wonder if the people that do create these cults of personality really care about, about the, people the people that are the fans or if they're doing it for themselves. Interesting. You know, like this is your perspective and I really admire it, but I find it very difficult to believe that the consumer is always put first. You know, mm -hmm. Steve Jobs literally said, they don't know what they want. They We're don't. Gonna, I'm going to tell them what they want. Mm -hmm. And this is the situation, you know, so it's... I guess it depends on your personality type. Mm -hmm. Even then, it's about the consumer. Even then, you just have to be ahead of the consumer in that type of thought process and think about what they like to hear. Because just like I told you, when we play music for criticism, we can't listen to exactly what they tell us when they're critiquing our music because they're not exactly going to know how to tell you that the trumpet is a little flat. You know, mm -hmm. They're just going to tell you something feels off or something is a little too loud or the vocals aren't necessarily sitting properly. You know, You have to figure these things out for yourself and figure out what they will like. Mm. And that's how you sell. You know, that's how you sell music. It's like there's a lot of explicit signals that we get from people, but then there's a lot of implicit signals that we More, receive. as a matter of fact. Yeah, probably. And, and like deciphering that, I'm, I'm guessing. So, so it's almost like we tend to use these explicit signals as the thing that we point at when identity crises occur. Oh, you know... Uh, they're going to change their name because of X, Y, Z reasons when there are all these implicit reasons that could also be pushing that. And no one would know. It goes back to uh, what you said, Josh, about splitting the art and the artist mm -hmm. and how, you know, you understand kind of when you're performing and you understand when you are yourself. And right. I wonder if those implicit kind of like that intermingling mm -hmm. informs us in a way that we, as consumers, you know, as you said, we don't know. The interesting um, thing about it is that we put so much value on the things that we can measure in this society. And we just pretend that anything that can't be measured doesn't matter. Mm. When literally like 90 something percent of the universe is made up of dark matter, something that we don't know what it is, right. something that we, we, we can't measure to, in the depths that we would desire to. But yet and still we put so much emphasis on the things that we can see and pretend like that is all that matters and that should matter. And I feel like that's what's caused this surfacing of the behaviors that we're exhibiting, like having so much push for microwave success mm -hmm. and instant gratification mm -hmm. and like something I can have right now, like 
and I can show off rather than working for something over time, literally working a year on a piece of music, practicing, making it perfect, something that people do not see you do, and then doing it one time for somebody. And they're like, oh, that was nice. Then they leave and they, they go do something else. Mm-hmm. And you're still playing that song over and over in your head. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the things that they're here. They are here. These implicit things are here. I wonder how often people really consider it. Not enough, I'm sure. It's almost impossible to because we're only human. Yeah. Poorly made. We're poorly made. In the words of Steve Jobs. Poorly made. Man, this has been a very beautiful conversation. I wish it could have gone on longer, honestly. Next time it should. Definitely will, man. Well, my listeners, my loves, from all of us here today, we really appreciate you for taking part in this discussion. Please let us know how you feel. Let us know what you think. What are you contemplating? Josh Camp. Thank you so much, Josh Camp. It really oh, means man. the world that you were able to come in today, man, and have some profound conversation. You really made this easy. Yeah, I did the best I could. The best I could. And thank you to show as well. No credit. Don't care. Oh, <laughs> gosh, this man here. Thank you, show, so much. For now, and until next time, love.